0: Hello friends, welcome to the Logistics of Logistics Podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the logistics of logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is reinventing e-commerce shipping with my friend Edamar Zur. His friends call him Ida. Ida is the co-founder and CEO of Viho, a company dedicated to driving commerce forward with a customer-centric delivery and returns experience that's built for the modern era. Take a listen and learn how Ida and the Viho team are reinventing e-commerce shipping. How's it going, Ida? It's going great, Joe. Thanks for having me here on the show. I'm excited about it. I'm very excited, too. I love what you guys are doing. So, Please introduce yourself and your company and make sure you pronounce your name so we kn- we all can get it right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, my name is Itamar. You can call me Ita. It's my Starbucks name. Last name is Zor. And I'm the co-founder and CEO of Veo. And Veo is a shipping and technology company that reinvents the customer experience around e-commerce logistics. We work with uh, Fortune 100, 500 retailers, and direct-to-consumer brands who want to provide an incredible experience to their customers every time their package is delivered, VO uh, facilitates the entire journey of the delivery, all the way from the warehouse through our own warehouses to the customer door. We give the customer full control over their delivery. The customer can choose to reroute, reschedule a package, to leave customer to leave uh, particular instructions. And by doing that, we show the brands that we work with that those customers who receive the box from Veo come back and buy more and have a higher lifetime value. So that's what VIO does. We're in 42 cities around the country. We cover one third of the U.S. population, over 100 million people. We're growing very fast and happy to talk about it more in today's conversation. I love it. So who's your sweet spot? Who do you serve? We work with a mid-level, mid-market to large retailers or e-commerce companies that understand inherently the value of providing a great customer experience. So think about companies like Stitch Fix, Nordstrom, those are some of our clients that we can discuss. Uh, those companies are famous for providing great customer experience. They wanna be able to facilitate a fast delivery. They wanna be able to facilitate great customer communication and most importantly, doing it reliably. Uh, Their package size uh, is one that can fit into anybody's car, because we use the gig economy, a fleet of driver partners through our app, and it allows us to essentially get every package delivered on time. But because we do that, well, I want to make sure the packages fit. And luckily for us, that's the majority of e-commerce today. Do you work with people outside of e-commerce?
0: Do you do anything other? Because what I'm hearing is you come almost like small
1: parcel, you're delivering to a home. Do you do something beyond e No, we're uh, 100% focused on the e-commerce uh, category. E-commerce, the needs of e-commerce companies are vastly different than the needs of other shippers. The expectations from consumers about getting it fast, getting it on time, being able to know where the package is, take action in the package, return it from the doorstep, and do it in a way that really extends the brand experience that they expected when they made the purchase online, all those needs are very different than the needs of other shippers. And when we started VO, we said, let's create an incredible experience for that category because that category is, is underserved and there's a huge opportunity there.
0: Yeah, I love that you're focused because as you said, e-commerce people, e-commerce companies have a unique, um unique needs that aren't just don't call it small parcel. I, I use small parcels almost like it's a million different things right? There's a million different services. It doesn't necessarily fit everybody. And by the way, we have seen large brands. I think, I don't think I'm making uh this isn't a newsflash, but I think Nike left Amazon. And I think one of the reasons they left Amazon is because they want to control the experience you get with Nike from the time you put it in your cart, will even before that, to the time you receive those shoes or the, or the, <laughs> the track suit. And you can't necessarily do that with Amazon. I'm not complaining about Amazon. They have upgraded the whole industry, but that
1: doesn't mean they're necessarily the right fit for everybody at this one minute. I agree, and that creates an opportunity for companies like Veo to come in and innovate in this market and grow very fast. Amazon, there was an article yesterday about Amazon is now the largest shipping company in the country in terms of volume. And one of the things I've been explaining is that Amazon has gotten there because not only because they have a lot of sales but also because they were able to connect the experience control the entire experience from the minute you place an order on the website all the way to the customer door and even if you return it and that makes the customers love amazon trust amazon come back and buy again if you're nike if you're other companies you need to have a similar model that works for you and that's where Vocom is in and works with these brands
0: yeah you can give them that amazon experience without being amazon by the way i have two daughters and every time we come to the holiday season or birthdays or whenever they'll say i'll hear from the other daughter get her this and it's never available via amazon i always have to go to some website that i've and then i have to go on and so i've experienced all of the non-amazon experiences. And not all are, are good, not all are bad, but it makes you realize that all these brands had to go and create something from scratch. And that is not where they came from. They were either clothing makers or um, something else, and then they had to develop this. And so it is not easy to develop that back end. The back end is the hard part.
1: <laughs> and it makes a difference on a consumer's decision to, one, choose that particular uh, retailer or brand, B choose whether they come back and and buy again and become loyal, right? Consumers expect a great experience. They expect uh, to be in control. They expect to receive their stuff fast and reliably. Amazon has created this new world of expectations and all that. I guess the, the point is that logistics matters. It matters a lot. It matters beyond just the cost. It matters because it is inherently one of the things that affect the most the propensity of customers to place an order and to come back and buy again. And that's where the profit is in e-commerce. It's expensive to acquire a customer in the first place. How you make money is you make them come back and buy more. And that's where logistics can play a huge role. This is why we started Veo to connect those dots. I love it.
0: I love it. So tell us a little bit about you, Ida. Where'd you grow up? Where'd
1: you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started Veho. So I'm Israeli, born and raised. After my military service, I actually went to law school and I wanted to be a lawyer at the time. I clerked for a Supreme Court justice. Wow. That was the career that I wanted. Now, did you go to school here? I I did my degree in Tel Aviv University. I did a portion of my degree at the University of Virginia, my law degree, but that was my first degree. And somewhere along the way, when I started volunteering, I wanted to be a human rights lawyer and I wanted to work with refugees, which is a, a topic that is very close to my heart. One of the things I, I learned is that it is really hard to make an impact, large scale impact, when you need to take a case by case. And every case is a lot of a lot of challenges and it takes a lot of time and certainly makes a huge impact on a, a person's life. But I asked myself, how can I scale that impact? And I started a nonprofit that used technology to connect asylum seekers with lawyers who were willing to take the work pro bono. And all of a sudden, the impact is much larger. I was able to influence more people's lives. And that really got me excited to go into the business world and think about opportunities to create larger scale impact with business. I left law and I went to work in brand management to get some, I would say, business background, business fundamentals. I was a brand manager for some of the largest uh, consumer brands uh, um, in the baby category in the feminine hygiene category actually and that's where i learned about the moment of truth it's a concept that i've brought to bill how do you capture the imagination the attention of the customer at the time when they actually make a decision to buy a product in a physical store how do you do that when they take the product home when they open the box how do you create an incredible experience and make them want to become a loyal customer to the brand. And I took that with me and I went to technology and I was one of the first employees at a company called Monday.com. Oh, very nice. It was a very young company at the time. And I was working on customer success and, and marketing and sales. Company grew really fast. Uh, I didn't stay there for too long, uh, but I certainly had my fair share of going through a hyperscale experience, learning a lot about technology and building great products. And around the same time, I was telling you this before, I also produced a podcast along with a couple of friends about entrepreneurship in the- I knew there was
0: something wrong with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we both share this uh, crazy fact in, <laughs> in common. So I got exposed to people who actually started companies from scratch. And all of those that came along together when I moved to the US. I went to pursue my MBA, went to Harvard Business School. And I can tell you, Joe, that on the plane to Boston- I wrote down my goals for the two years of business school. And my number one goal was to start a company. So when I landed in Boston, the first thing that came to mind is, okay, what kind of company am I going to start? And that was essentially the beginning of the video journey. So what, like,
0: where did you see that there was a a hole in the market? We're talking today again about reinventing e-commerce. So that was what year? 2015. So you already saw that there's a problem with e-commerce? Because we were doing e-commerce eight years ago, but it was
1: tiny compared to what we're doing now. That's right. When I moved to Boston, somebody told me that I was thinking about needing to make some time in my busy schedule to go to a physical store to buy some products. And my roommate at the time said, why don't you just buy it on Amazon? So this is the first time I bought something on Amazon. And I remember going out of town for the weekend, anticipating the product to arrive at my doorstep. It was delivered because I got a notification that it was delivered. But by the time I came back home, there was no package. Somebody took it from my doorstep. So that was my first experience in e-commerce. And then one day I walked back from school, walked into my my apartment building. There's a big glass door at the entrance. And I remember looking at it and seeing about 50 sticky notes from UPS and FedEx. Do you know those notes where it says, sorry, we missed you. We'll come back. Right. I saw about 50 of those. And I said... One of them was for me, and I said, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. I need to tell them to bring it to a different address, bring it to the management office, bring it to... But there was no way to interact, and the the product that was shipped to me was actually returned to the sender. And so I remember saying to myself, e-commerce is such an incredible experience. like It's magic. With a click of a button, you can get something show up at your doorstep. You don't have to go anywhere. You have access to all the products in the world. But what really matters... That moment where that product actually comes to life, the physical interaction, that moment is sometimes non-existent and it's a pain to get a package. So guess what? You have to go back to the physical store and you can't enjoy the magic of e-commerce. And that made me think that there must be a different way, a better way to merge the delivery experience with the e-commerce experience and not only make it work, but make it great. Make it such that people really appreciate the experience and they say, I like this. I want to do more of this. I want to become more loyal. Uh, Bring that moment of truth from the brand management experience to e-commerce delivery. That was the idea behind VIA.
0: I love it. So talk for a minute, if you don't mind, about uh, Israel. I've talked to so many people from Israel and it seemed like for a while we always talk about if you're going to start a company, a tech company, it would be in Silicon Valley. Now sometimes it's San Francisco, which seems almost like an extension of that. Obviously there's tech centers all around the U S but I think uh, I've talked to people about I used to say Tel Aviv was the st- uh, startup city. And now people have said on my podcast a few times, no, it's a startup country. Uh, and it's amazing how many companies that are started there. And, and it got, again, I'm so sorry for what's going on back there right now, but in the midst of all this chaos that can be there, and it's a very small country relative to the US, but it is punches way above its weight when it comes to tech. Talk about that.
1: There is a, uh, a famous book that I would uh, highly recommend uh, that is called uh, The Startup Nation. I think it came out something like 15 years ago. And he talks about all the reasons, all the hypotheses uh, behind why Israel, who, which is a very small country from a population standpoint, has become one of the biggest powerhouses of innovation uh, in the world. So look, I'm not an expert. I can tell you that. But what I can tell you is that it is all over the place in Israel. It's not just in Tel Aviv. It's in every area. It's in every city. It's how people think. Somebody told me once that there are countries where if one takes a risk, and starting a new venture, and they fail. One wouldn't want to leave their house because they're right. ashamed. I can tell you that in Israel, if uh, somebody starts a company and they fail, and they do it again and they fail, they're considered a celebrity. They're they're a serial entrepreneur. Everybody wants to be <laughs> like them, which is funny, right? There's something about the idea of taking a risk and making something happen out of nothing that is very close to uh, Israel's mind, because the whole country. In a way, it is a startup. 1948, when the country was established, it was a very small. It was a small community. It was a, large, a very large community. Sure, Jews have been in Israel, the land of Israel, the land of Palestine, for forever. But the company, the, 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 the country, had to start from scratch with very little natural resources, almost no natural resources. So, what do you have? You have human resources. You have thinkers. You have dreamers. You have innovators. Who come from all over the world, and we're pursuing this idea. And I think the same concept, I think, really is the same—the concept that really powers the innovation of the Israeli economy. Yeah, it's
0: absolutely incredible how many people I've talked to from Israel, and also people who've moved from Israel. It's funny. I, I worked for a Silicon Valley company years ago, and my bosses, both my bosses, were from Israel. And one of them gave a they gave a presentation because we moved all of our tech over to israel and and i remember they said we have mandatory military service and they said we pluck out a lot of engineers identify engineers at a young age they said i think per capita engineers not that engineers are everything we need, we need them but they're not everything but per capita engineers number one is us number two is israel and and from what I understand, a lot of those people recognize their engineering talent while serving the military. By the way, I do not want mandatory military service here, but I'm old enough to remember that being a threat. <laughs> so, But anyway, wonderful, wonderful what Israel's been. I hope we get all that straightened out very quickly over there. Maybe when you're done with the you go home and figure that out. Thank <laughs> so you for saying that. let's switch gears and talk about reinventing e-commerce shipping. So first off, we're doing e-commerce shipping. We don't need to reinvent it, do
1: we? Or do we? <laughs> we absolutely do need to reinvent e-commerce shipping. And it starts, let's take a step back. Ten years ago, when people started to buy a lot more online, they, most e-commerce companies, those who are doing e-commerce, because many brick-and-mortar retailers do not want to accept the fact that there's a different way to sell. They wanted the customer to come to their stores. But that's what customers wanted. The customers got used to this magic. And the packages were shipped from one warehouse in the middle of the country. I don't Indiana. know if you remember this, joke. <laughs> yeah, in Vienna, it used to take you, you place an order. It says it will arrive within ten days. Then Amazon came along and Amazon continued to innovate and push the bar on what a great experience looks like. And over time, it introduced two day shipping and then one day shipping. Sometimes it's even same day delivery. They make returns very easy. They make the communication great. And the reason Amazon did this is has various reasons. One is surely it brings down their cost if they have so much volume and they can handle their own volume. But more importantly, it allows them to control the customer experience. It allows them to use shipping as a way to delight the customer, to surprise the customer. And when we talked about this before, when you go in and look for a product online, if you have the product available at Amazon and another store, there's a big likelihood you just choose Amazon you're going to get it fast, you can return it no problem, no questions asked. You know that you can leave your instructions on the Amazon Prime app. It's seamless, right? And because of that, they created the need for everybody else to reinvent e-commerce logistics because if they're not inventing it, if they're doing it the old way, they're going to be left behind. And that's where the opportunity is for companies like Veo or innovators to come in and bring technology, customer centricity to this space. Yep. And by the way, you mentioned at one time even 10
0: years ago, if you said, and by the way, people did come to me and say, Hey, I need to have a warehouse that I can support every, everywhere in the U S. And I would say the center of the United States, the best place that where you can get one day delivery to 65% of the population is somewhere near Indianapolis, somewhere between Indianapolis and Chicago, people would argue exactly where, but it's in that region. Um, which, by the way, was great because I could get to the whole East Coast, most of the Midwest, the Southeast, anything east of the Mississippi, which is where 65% of the U.S. population lives. That's a victory. I won. I can get one day <laughs> to 65% of the people. Um, sorry if you're in California or Texas or out West. That was considered good enough. And by the way, I always ask people, and you might know the answer, I've always asked people what percentage of warehousing companies have one location. And I think somebody said it's probably 50%. 50% of warehousing companies have one location. So when I say, can I have same day next day from that warehouse? As long as you don't mind air freighting. <laughs>
1: That's right. <Exactly. laughs> as long as you don't
0: mind using air to deliver to all the places that are too far away. So suddenly, if you're an e-commerce company, you said, Wrong way to say it. Let's just say you're a retailer and say, we've traditionally worked with this company and they're in Indianapolis. And now we want it to do same day, next day. You either have to find another warehousing company somewhere else, which probably a new ownership and new systems, new processes, a whole bunch of new training. It doesn't work. Same day, next day,
1: it, it drives new needs from the logistics company. Am I right to say that? A hundred percent. And one of the things that we're seeing in the market today, actually I'll talk about two things. One is there is a new type of company. I would call it the warehousing or the fulfillment network consolidators, if you will. And those companies are technology companies that have multiple locations around the country. Think about it as the Airbnb of fulfillment. If you're a shipper, they can come to you and say, work through our technology, we'll connect you with many other warehouses so you don't have to integrate with each one of them individually and they also power the technology at that warehouse. So everything integrates seamlessly. So we see a lot more of that. That allows e-commerce companies to deploy their inventory closer and closer to the customer. And yes, as you said, avoid the, the air freighting, uh, which certainly eats into the margin of, of e-commerce because it's so expensive while you can still afford the same day, next day, two day delivery. Second. Is what we're seeing in the shipping and parcel industry, which is what BIO is in, is the regionalization of shipping networks. When you think about UPS and FedEx, these are national networks. And those are amazing companies. They can get anything from anywhere to anywhere, right? But it goes through a very large network. And it goes through a lot of infrastructure. And when you think about the needs of the speed, just the speed, which is one out of many needs for e-commerce companies, if the product already arrives... From outside the city, from within the same region, you don't need all this infrastructure. You can move it much faster through a a much more simple network that is designed around a radius of 250 miles. Texas, Northeast, Southeast, et cetera. Those are all areas where BIO is in. So there is a significant growth in uh, the type of companies or regional shipping services. BIO is playing in that uh, space in a very different way with technology, with a different type of operating model, which we haven't spoken about yet using the gig economy with a customer centricity, but those logistics evolutions have enabled e-commerce companies to provide the one or two day shipping that were very hard to do 10 years ago. Right. And by the way, you mentioned the Airbnb model.
0: One of the things I've always compared what you described there is almost like freight brokers. If I, One of the reasons you go to a freight broker, they don't have their own trucks. Sometimes they do, but usually not. But they say, we work with uh, 50,000 carriers. Usually they only wrote 300 checks last month, but they'll say they have 50,000 carriers in their network. So if you need a lane, they manage it. And if some point they say, I trusted these guys with this lane, but they're not doing a good job on it. I will find someone else in my network to cover that. And I think that's what we're also seeing from the warehousing business is I don't necessarily care if you can own every warehouse you're in, as long as you have your technology and you're managing it in a way that I like, I don't care about my freight broker. I don't care if they own any trucks, as long as they can manage it for me. And I think that's what, and by the way, you mentioned the gig economy, gig economy really stepped up big during the pandemic and they were able to deliver stuff for us the gig economy is not not operationally effective and efficient at scale unless you have an operator above them unless you provide them the tech and the processes that they must follow and so i always think gig economy works a little bit but i don't want you're not going to see home depot say hey this is great we got gig economy guys who work from every store in our from every store in our in the country that doesn't work we need somebody a layer to orchestrate and have that technology and have the processes that need to be followed because
1: i want to work with somebody who gets that scale i'll tell you a quick uh, story when they started the company i was pitching the, the story to investors I got all kinds of uh feedback why wouldn't uber do this why wouldn't fedex do this how would this scale one question i was asked was what makes this a technology company you're talking about being a logistics company because investors want to invest in technology companies and it's more defensible it scales faster and what you just brought up joe about the need to facilitate to operationalize massive group of people who are using their personal vehicles and they're not doing this on a day to day basis they're doing this when they want to that is purely a technology play we've invested massively in building a marketplace, digital marketplace, that allows us to, on the one hand, anticipate how much demand we're going to have in our uh, network. And on the other hand, make sure that we are matching that demand with the, with the labor of driver partners, make sure that there's always enough driver partners on our platform. So if somebody doesn't show up, by the way, happens, there's always somebody else to do that. When holiday season is here and, and everybody's buying more, we can scale up our capacity really quickly, which is something that UPS and FedEx have really struggled to do over the years. Second, when the driver uh, signs up and they go through background checks and orientation, we need to ensure that they are just as effective at delivering packages from day one as if they were doing this for 30, 40 years, because that was UPS's and and FedEx's one of the biggest advantages. Their drivers know in their mind where where they're going, how to get into every building. But if you want to use a gig economy, which has so many advantages, we really have to take all that information and put this in an app and do it in a way that is so slick. It's so user-friendly that anybody can be that driver from day one. And that's where the technology comes in. It's the obsession around a great driver experience, customer experience as well, that makes it so easy that we not only have the same on-time delivery rate, we have better on-time delivery rate than anybody in the country while we are using big economy drivers. It's all in the technology. Yes.
0: Yes. And by the way, the gig economy is fantastic for so many things, but I keep thinking I'm one of the younger baby boomers, but baby boomers are not all of us, but most of us are going to be younger than our parents at the same age. So when somebody says I'm done, I'm not working anymore. I'm 65 years old or 67 years old, but I want to do something. So I see more and more of those, but also so many people say, I think during the pandemic, a lot of people said, you know what, I recognize the importance of my health and how much time I want more time with my family. I'll do the gig economy during the day when my kids are at school, but I will always pick them up at school. I think there's so many people who are going to choose the gig economy. And by the way, it's going to have to pay because we're going to have a big shortage of people. We're going to have to pay that gig economy well and and have very high expectations for them. And I think that that's going to work. It's going to work just fine. Anyway, I want to switch gears for a sec. We've talked about, again, why we need to reinvent this e commerce shipping. The first thing you talked about is this the brands couldn't control the experience in a way that they liked. And before we hit record, you said it's not just getting it there, it's also potentially returns. So, talk about why returns are part of this
1: equation. I'll tell you a story, Joe. A few days ago, I, was, I realized that my closet is uh, getting leaner with the number of jeans that I always wear jeans. I'm a startup guy. And I needed to buy some jeans. And what I did is I went to see the only pair that I still had left. I like it. I looked at the label, looked at the brand, went to their website and wanted to place an order. These are pretty expensive jeans, but I, I really like it. Just before I placed the order, I said, wait, what if this one doesn't fit me. What if the color is not right? Can I return it? And I had to go back and make sure that there is a return policy that makes sense that I can return it. It's not going to be expensive. It's not going to be hard. And then I placed the order. Now, I'm sure that I'm not the only person doing that. As a matter of fact, we have stats that show that uh, the majority of customers uh, will probably not like the will probably not buy from a brand if the return experience is really that or will not come back and buy again. So the reason it's important is first and foremost because customers make their purchase decisions based on whether the brand makes the returns experience easy or they make it hard. If you make it hard, customer is likely not going to buy or if they do buy and they need to return, they will likely penalize the brand and not go and buy again. Easier to go and buy on an Amazon and you return it very easily, no questions asked and you get the refund right away. Right? That's why it's important. But the, the other reason it's important is that every day a customer holds on to the product. Let's assume the customer decided to return it. Every day they hold on to the product and they don't go to the UPS store or the postal service to return it because they have to find time to drive there. And it has to be open, by a way to accept it. Every day costs millions of dollars to the brand in the aggregate with all their customers, customer base that the product does not go back to the warehouse, gets back on the shelf, can be sold again. It costs millions of dollars. So, making returns easy and fast is not only a great experience, it also is a cost saving strategy for the brand. And the way VO does that is we make it very simple. A customer needs to click a button on their phone, schedule a pickup from their door. They can decide if they want to be there, they can decide if they want to leave it outside their door. They don't have to put it in a box, they don't have to print a label. We make it super see- simple. And they get notified when it gets picked up. They can leave instructions so that we can, they know that they're not on the hook anymore. We got it. We bring it back to the brand. And what we found is that 65% of customers who received that received the service, we surveyed them, said that they're more likely to buy again from the brand because Veo facilitated the doorstep pickup because we made it so easy for them. Right? So it's not about a one-off purchase. It's looking holistically at the engagement of the customer the lifetime value of the customer and say how do you power great experiences that not only reduce the cost but also make them love you and come back and buy more and i think one of the things i told you is that is the biggest opportunity in e-commerce logistics use logistics as a form of marketing to make the customer loyal be more loyal to the brand
0: yeah by the way before we hit record i mentioned to you that when i have to do something return something and usually i use amazon i can literally walk to ups from my house it's close i can literally walk to a Kohl's from my house which is where amazon has returns but i will have to wait in line when i get there that's just the nature of living in a, <laughs> a walking distance to a Kohl's and to ups so it sits whatever i'm returning sits on my counter or on my dining room table for weeks until basically when i return it is when i say to myself they're going to take it back because it's been too long. That's when I return things. And then I go to UPS, sometimes there's no line. I'm like, again, UPS is great. I get in there, it's relatively painless, but I don't wanna do it. It's something that is added to my already too long list. And by the way, there's a lot of people who resent this whole return thing. And by the way, when you're buying clothes, if you're buying clothes and you say, I, they sized these wrong, especially problem for women, but it's sometimes a problem for men. You go, God darn it, they sized these things wrong. Now you're already a little frustrated. Now I got to wad it back up, put it in the bag, and go to the store. That is not part of the good brand experience, by the way. I'm going to go off a little tangent. I was watching Home Shopping Network. My mom has it on in the background in her house. (laughs) and My mom said, the reason I have bought stuff from Home Shopping Network is because they're so good at sizing. If we want to re- fix some of the returns issues, we have to do a better job on sizing. So I don't wonder, hey, is a size 10 shoe, which I always wear, am I actually going to get size 10 if I order size 10? Or am I going to get nine and a half because these guys are different? That's nonsense that we put our customers through, but that's not your. That's that's the next problem you should solve.
1: I'll tell you more. I'll tell you more. By the way, and and that's just, it's a problem that is very interesting to solve. I know there's innovation there, but nobody has quite gotten it right yet. Uh, when you go to the physical store, let's say you want to shop for clothes in the physical store, usually what you would do, certainly that's what I do, is I don't want to buy before I try it. So you go pick a, pick up a few items and go and wait in line, go to the fitting room, try it out. You know, buy half, return half, etc. When you buy online, you don't have that privilege. And I think trial, trying things on, fitting it on, seeing what it looks like, walking around the house with it, looking at your, at yourself on the, on the mirror, trying different pants to see if it fits together. That is part of the shopping experience. It's what makes people really want to, to shop and get confidence. When you take that away from e-commerce, it makes it much harder to buy at the first place. Hence. Making returns easy, not only returns, but ultimately the ability to swap at your doorstep. Say, look, I I like the color the size is not the right. Can I get a different size? Do it at your doorstep. That opens up a whole lot of opportunities for customers to buy more, for retailers to change the way they think about engagement with their customers. So everything is part of the same thing. I think what you and I are saying is that there's a huge opportunity to just bring that branded experience to the customer door. It unlocks a whole lot of growth for e-commerce companies and their customers. And
0: by the way, I heard this a few months ago. I don't have the details, but I understand Amazon was going to try and limit some returns on some things. I was thinking this is a dangerous move because people bracket. And what I mean by bracket is I bought that in large and I bought that in medium. I'm going to try both of them on. i am also got it in blue and red. So I ordered four sweaters and I only want one. And And that bracketing costs money. But also, again, if we could get the sizing right. And by the way, I was just at Fleet Feet. I've got some new HOKAs. I went to Fleet Feet. I stood on this little, I don't know, platform. And I got a three dimensional, three-dimensional foot of both my feet. And I found out one of my feet is larger than the other. But now they have my size in their system. So they'll tell me, this is what you need with this in terms of sizing. So... Anyway, get off my soapbox. So you've talked about (laughs) reinventing the e-commerce shipping. And first thing you said is e-commerce brands aren't able to control that experience. And would be how you feel like we'll give them that control back. And that's not just getting it. It's also the returns. Talk a little bit about, I know some challenges right now, if you're in e-commerce is we're coming up to the holiday season and the price is the price. When you work with S FedEx, they've earned that. They think you don't have options. (laughs) And also they have, those are massive companies that are absolute leaders in logistics, but they are overwhelmed come the holidays. So I know during the pandemic, I got like a a fleece from Patagonia, like in mid January. (laughs) And by that time my daughter had bought me it from the regular store. So I had two of them and I'd return it. So they are get overwhelmed and i don't have i don't have any pricing power i don't have any ability
1: to do anything other than say this is the price of the price pay it yeah and that's one of the reasons why there has to be more competition and more innovation in this space there's a story about jeff bezos this is 2015 i believe and in 2015 amazon had a big issue with packages not being delivered on time during the holiday season they're working with national carriers as you mentioned got overwhelmed and a lot of people got their packages in January. And then many people called Amazon and said, we don't need it now. It's too late. Can we take it back? And that's, that was the epiphany of how Amazon logistics started. The understanding that Amazon needed to control that experience themselves. They cannot, have, in the most important time of the year, I'll give you some interesting stats in a second about how valuable this time of the year is. More so than most people think. In the most important time of the year, you can't have a bad customer experience. It's prime time. And that was the idea for Amazon to control their own delivery experience. Here are the interesting stats. 30% of retail sales happen during uh, the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? So we know that. What's also interesting, and I wasn't aware of before, is that 80% of customers are willing to try new products and new brands during that time period. So it's a period of experimentation, right? More so than any other time during the year. Second, we know this is not stats, but more common knowledge in retail. It is six times more expensive to acquire a new customer than to retain an existing one. So if you do one plus one, 80% of people are willing to try a new product. That's like marketing heyday. This is the opportunity to engage new customers. But really, you have to figure out how to retain them. And if you have, if you cannot deliver on time, you can not deliver fast, the customer doesn't feel in control, particularly in this time, you have lost that customer, right? During the holiday season. That's why it's so important. And you said a lot of e-commerce brands don't feel like they have a choice. Correct, because the national carriers were not designed for the needs of e-commerce shopping. E-commerce shopping is a new phenomenon. Shopping is not a new phenomenon. E-commerce, particularly during the holiday season, and every year, it's bigger and bigger. E-commerce grows eight to ten percent per year. Our Black Friday sales this year are eight times eight percent, not eight times. That, that would be too much. Eight percent higher than last year, even though the economy is has slowed down. It just shows you the need to think about innovation and new ways to not only fulfill but also ex- exceeds customer expectations. So you can capture that customer and have them become a little customer over time.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Nordstrom's earlier. Nordstrom's was, has always been known for the customer experience in the store. I like Nordstrom's, but the challenge for them is, how do I get that customer experience to be, it's not going to be the same, but how do I get it to be comparable when I'm delivering to Joe's house? Because I I, I'm working with you because of the customer experience that I had over many
1: years. I don't want that to end because you shipped it to my house. That's exactly right. Consumer expectations are changing. Uh, Let me take a step back. I'll tell you uh, a funny story. When I started Vio, this was seven years ago, I called somebody who was senior at one of the national retailers, very large company, won't mention their name. And I I pitched them on the idea of using Vio to ship from the store to the customer door to make it easy. And the person said, and that answer, by the way, is not different than many other companies that I've spoken with, That person said, why would I make it easy for somebody to receive the box at their doorstep if I can encourage them to come to the store and then they can buy more things at the store? Now, mathematically, that's not wrong. There's a likelihood that if a customer walks into the store, they will buy other things that they weren't even thinking about, right? But the logic is flawed because if the customer wants to buy it online, if you're not making it easy, they won't go to your store. They will just go to buy from somebody else online. And that's why it's so important for brands to invest in that type of experience and con- the consumers, they vote with their feet, right? If you don't do the things that the consumers expect you to do, and certainly if it's stable steak, because Amazon is providing this to anybody, you will lose. But if you do this, it will be a competitive advantage for you. You can bring your brand experience to the customer door. You can go above and beyond. You can do it in a way that is unique to you and your brand. That's a big opportunity. How do you... Extend the brand experience, not from the, the, the store, the physical store, but from the online store, all the way to the customer door and capture that customer at that point in the moment of truth. That's what we think we're doing at real. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And if I could talk a little bit about Amazon, the marketplace for a second. So if you and I started a brand new business, we're selling something online and we said, we'll sell it through Amazon. Then we don't have to worry about fulfillment. We'll do fulfillment by Amazon, assuming you didn't already start v The challenge with that is let's just say we're selling some brand new sweaters because I always use sweaters as the example. When somebody says, I want to buy Joe and Ita's uh, sweaters, Amazon says, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get those for you. But by the way, here are 800 other sweaters you should buy. Many that represent, many that are owned by us. And sometimes when you type in exactly what you want, you get a whole bunch of sponsored stuff. And again, I'm not criticizing Amazon. But for Joe and Ita, we want, my customer is looking for us and Amazon has a different plan. Their plan is, this is a marketplace. We have a lot of people. We want to get you a good deal. We want to give you every possible option. Joe and Ita don't want you to have every option. They, you were looking for our sweaters. I don't want you to find a sweater that looks the same, that's $30 cheaper. So, We are all, as brands, I think, are forced to say, okay, we will have Amazon as an option, as a channel. We didn't have retail as a channel. But you need to have
1: your own store that you can completely control the experience from beginning to end. A hundred percent. What you just brought up, Joe, I think is very fundamental for folks to understand. Amazon has commoditized retail. You look for a certain sweater, they'll show you other options. And guess what? If it sells really well, they're also going to produce their own. They have like 90 private brands, I think. Nin- I think it's 90 private brands uh, that Amazon owns. Exactly. And so it's, it, this is about driving down the cost. This is making it very competitive. And I'm all in for lower costs and for giving customers all the options in the world. But you have to think about it from the brand standpoint and the consumer psychology standpoint. When you go and buy a car, I'll give a car as an example. We don't deliver cars. not today at least. But I think it's very easy. You don't only think about, typically, does it drive? Does it get the work done? Sure, all cars do that. But you think about what does that car tell about me as a person? What does it tell about my personality? My value set, how I want to be perceived in the world. That is the power of branding. You buy a certain dress, a certain coat, a certain type of shoe. It's not just the product. It's a story of what does that brand? When I choose this brand, what does it mean about me? Amazon removes all that. They commoditize all that. But when you go and buy from Nike or you go and buy from Nordstrom's, you're from their store, you are immersed in their experience. And that is their advantage that Amazon will never have. Because Amazon sells everything to everybody. But they sell something specific to a specific customer that they've built loyalty with. And that's why it's so important for them not only just give the package to Amazon or the FedEx UPS, but also retain... And control that narrative and the customer experience all the way to the customer door. That's how they compete in a more effective way. Yep. So I, I've gone way over my time with you. So
0: I want to talk about. I'm enjoying if, it. Good. Good. If somebody's listening to the podcast and says, "Oh, I like this guy. I want to work with this guy." Tell me more. How does it start? If I was somebody reached out and said, "All right, I want to get started. I want to work with Viho. How does this work? Let's just say using the sweater example, Joe and I eat his sweaters. How do I get them? <laughs>
1: how do i get them to my customers first you have two options have several options to uh, connect with us one is you can go to our website and fill out the form and give us a little more information our sales team will reach out to you to have a conversation understand your needs see if it's a good fit you can also send us an email at sales at dot you can send me a personal linkedin message there are many ways put a link to your linkedin profile link to your website
0: and any other links you and your marketing team give me so once they've reached out and got a hold of you guys what's the
1: process the first thing we want to understand is what are the strategic goals of that print what are they looking for they're looking to innovate around their customer experience they're looking to bring technology and centricity they're looking to diversify their carrier base we want to make sure there's a good fit uh because we're innovating on customer experience. We want to make sure that the brands that we work with truly buy into the concept of extending their brand experience from the online store to the customer door. Second, we look at the volume. We want to make sure that uh, the companies that we work with are ones that, have, that are able to uh, have significant volume. Over time, we will also go into the long tail of, of e-commerce brands. We're not doing that quite today. Today, we're working with brands who I would say are mid-market from a volume standpoint or uh, enterprise uh, level what is mid-market volume we're looking at mid-market would mean a company that their gross merchandise sales are somewhere between 100 million dollars to a billion dollars right for retail that's substantial but it's not huge over a billion dollars is what we consider uh enterprise and certainly as we uh we continue to grow the business we will want to go after the long tail of smaller shippers and that's those companies need deal the most because they have the least negotiation power with FedEx and UPS and we have to build our way to get there uh, as well. So it's all about making sure there is a fit. And if there is a fit and there's alignment or values and what we want to achieve together, we start talking about what would team look like? What would integrating with your technology look like? We make it quick and easy and seamless for them because we're a technology-first company.
0: So I'm assuming our sweaters would go in multiple locations because we would want to do same day, next day. So, would you and your team would help us figure out where those sweaters need to be positioned? And once Joe and Edith say, "All right, I want to send, I want to work with you," do I truck my sweaters to one location or to multiple
1: locations? How does that work? One of the first questions we'll ask you is, "Where do you ship from today? What is the location? And do you use your own warehouse? Are you using a 3PL? Does Vio need to integrate with that 3PL? How would who makes a decision about which shipping provider are you using?" And then we'll talk about volumes we'll talk about how many products you have shipped from a certain location where do they need to go we'll ask for a pld file which is a file that gives you a sense of all the packages that go through your network and the size and the zip codes they're going to and within what time do you need to deliver them we'll give you an offer out there a thing that we don't do today and is very much needed in the market and we may do in the future is also help you understand better where should you deploy your inventory because if you have lots of kinds of sweaters, and people in Chicago like a certain sweater, and people in California like a different sweater, maybe they don't like a sweater because it's warmer in California. How can we make? Uh, can we help you make better decisions about where to put the right inventory? Uh, today we don't do this. It's a huge opportunity in the market. It certainly is something that will be a game changer for retailers. Uh, but that is using technology is, I think, a, a true key to not only innovating on in the customer experience but also manage costs better, and that's certainly where we're going.
0: Yep. And by the way, that inventory carrying cost is often more expensive than the logistics. And I think us with most of us put our logistics hat on and say, Oh, logistics is everything, but inventory is everything. <laughs> and having inventory in the wrong place or having the wrong inventory is disastrous. And we saw a lot of that during COVID and it took a long time to work that stuff through because we couldn't dependably get our stuff from asia or europe or wherever so as a result we overordered and you end up again you made the point i don't want the sweaters in july i want them i want them in the fall and uh, i i don't want a big shipment of them come june 1st this is not it's not helpful so final thoughts on this topic i know we've gone all over the place final thoughts on why someone should why we should reinvent
1: e-commerce and why VHO should be the answer to that question. Think about how long, how much uh, money time effort brands spend on building a website, sourcing uh, the right product, manufacturing it, spending uh, on marketing all those things are meant to make the customer give you a chance to try the product for the first for the first time and there's very little that has been done around the post purchase experience. What could you do in order to make the customer after they purchase the product, make you love you even more. It starts with delivering on the promise, getting it fast to the customer door, getting to the right door, getting it on time and giving the customer visibility. But there's so much more than that. If you can give the customer a sense that they can control their delivery, they can give feedback in real time, uh, you can offer them more products because based on what they like or don't like, they can return it easily. They can swap it easily with new product. That customer is much more likely to develop loyalty to you, come back and buy more from you in the future. Be the you'll be the first brand that will be top of mind for that customer. They're also more likely to place an order at the first place because you will build a brand that is considered to be very customer centric. You mentioned companies that have done this really well. Nordstrom is one of those companies, and they're famous for making it very easy to return stuff. Right? All that translates into two things: number one, profitability. The lifetime value of the customer will be higher. For the same customer acquisition cost. That's how we make money in e-commerce. And the second is the value, the enterprise value of the company. Because part of the enterprise value is what is the brand perception? There are companies that the product is very simple, but the brand perception is so strong that customers will continue to buy from that brand for a very long time. And that's what every brand wants. They want to be differentiated. They want to have followership. They want to have a loyal customer base. And that's what we're trying to do with logistics it's one of the biggest missed opportunities in e-commerce today and we're bringing it to life yep and by the way we've talked about amazon a
0: lot amazon became one of the largest companies in the world by doing just this is somehow they've raised that customer experience now there's opportunities around amazon they're not everything to everyone but they have certainly shown the way you can gain Business with logistics—it's not; it shouldn't always be looked at as just a cost. You should start to look at it as an opportunity to grow that relationship with those customers.
1: Somebody once told me that Amazon is a logistics company with a website. I think it's a very <laughs> interesting description.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, for Ben Gordon from Cambridge Capital was on my podcast. He talked a little bit about how they made a lot of money with Amazon Web Services, and he says next it's going to be Amazon Logistics, and. For a long time, people would say Amazon is getting into logistics. And I would say, getting into logistics is the largest logistics company in the world. What are you talking about? Anyway, enough of my blather. Ida, I like to interview smart, interesting people like you, the rock stars of our industry. Who else
1: should I interview? I would recommend interviewing Jonathan Poma, who is a co-founder and CEO of Loop Returns. Loop is one of our partners. It's a company that allows e-commerce brands to manage their returns by facilitating the logistics through third parties like Veo. With us, we do doorstep pickups. And other ways to exchange the products to get credit and and apply to other types of products. Returns and, and reverse logistics in general is a hot space, particularly during the holiday season, it's growing. I think it's a really interesting innovation that we recommend talking about.
0: I would love that. If you could
1: introduce me, that would be great. So what conferences will we see you and the VHO team at? I will personally be speaking in two conferences in Q1 2024. One is Manifest and the other one is Shop Talk. I believe both are taking place in Vegas. My team, our team is also going to be at ETL West and NRF. NRF is taking place in New York City. I am not just Q1. We're in many other conferences and look forward to seeing you in person, chatting, understanding your needs.
0: I will be at Manifest. So I'll see you there. And I you said you're speaking at Manifest. I am. And looking forward to grabbing coffee together, Joe. That would be great. That would be great. And what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll put a link to your website and any other links you and your marketing team give me so people can listen and reach out and talk to you. And I look forward to seeing you at Manifest, but Thank you so much for taking the time and thank you for going way over my time with
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about why we exist and what we do in the market and how we help uh, reinvent the future of commerce. Yeah, I love what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joe.
0: And uh, thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, on Martin Upward.